0: Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. You know, one of the um, challenging things in the world right now is that everybody has an opinion, and the difficulty it is for all of us to kind of weed through all of the opinions and figure out what is fact, what is fiction, what should we be we following, what should be, be imitated, and what should be left alone. You know, as a believer, sometimes I look out on the news and I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Something goes on in the world and they try to find a Christian to ask what do they think about what's going on. And they find the one guy who doesn't know what's going on, and they like represent us. And you're thinking, they not only don't they understand the issue, they don't know the Bible. And and they're doing more to confuse the situation, to represent the situation. See, seems like our world is becoming more like that, that the identity that we maybe have as a Christian or identity even with your own gender or, or as a person of this type of group or that type of group, it's all just convoluted and confusing and gray. And you begin to ask yourself the question, where is clarity found about what we really are, who we really should be? how we should be really acting or thinking because there are times that I see people laughing at stuff that we should be crying about and crying at stuff maybe we should be laughing about and there seems to be uh, an imbalance to what's being presented. Now I know that we all have felt this at some point or another but I believe that the scripture actually deals with this emotion and this situation, and I believe it's dealt with in Acts 2. Um, in Acts 2, 42, God gave me this scripture maybe two years ago, told me this is something that was going to stabilize our church and help us be a church and help us actually understand our identity. If we could go back to the beginning where the church was birthed and we could imitate or in some ways, see the example of what they were and, and try to flow like that, we'd be better. Let me set it up before we start reading through uh, Acts 2 together. Uh, Jesus died, Jesus has been buried, Jesus is raised from the dead, Jesus has uh, um, given them the word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's told them before you go, you need to wait in Jerusalem so you could be endued or clothed with power to be a witness to the world. They go and wait in what's considered an upper room. 120 of them have been there for about 50 days. And all of a sudden, the men that were in there, the women that were in there, the Bible says there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and the spirit began to fill the place where they were sitting and they become cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And it all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, and the people on the outside who heard what was going on on the inside said, them people crazy and drunk. The people, the people on the outside also said, I can understand them because they were people from all over. I can understand them praising God in my own language. Something miraculous was beginning to happen because the people on the inside were honoring the Word of God. They were worshiping together, and they were praying together, and something explosive happened, Verse 41 says it. So, those who received the word and were baptized, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. There is the church acting right, talking right, living right, being together, focused on Jesus, and now people are added. I don't want to be added to a church that doesn't have the word. I don't want to be added to a church where the people don't want to worship together. I don't want to be added to a church where the people don't pray. But when the mission of the church is to be together to honor God like that and then to represent to the world how good it is on the inside, people are always added. When's the last time someone was added because of the way you relate to God and the body of Christ? Are you perhaps the person on the news giving the representation of the body of Christ that is false? Or are you the person that's on the news giving the representation of the body of Christ that caused people to say, I want to be in that. Yeah. I want to help you understand that the people that were added that day asked to be added. They saw that what was going on And and Peter began to preach that these people are not drunk, but they they have what the prophet said uh, in the old days. And, 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 And they said, what do we need to do to have what you have? He said, repent, be baptized. Do you mean to tell me that God can do something so extraordinary through our unity, through us honoring him, through us worshiping together, that people will start asking you, what do I have to do to have your Jesus? It won't be false advertisement. I advertise it because it would be average. So look at verse 42. It's going to show us that in the early church, there were three characteristics that really built the church. This church was built a certain way, and the same way we want Bethel to be built, the same way we want to be. And I want to say this the church is not the building independent of the people. You can have church in a movie theater, you can have church in your home. You can have if you're going to honor God and people are going to collect together. You are the church. What makes this building significant is all of us together. Yeah. What created the move of God was everybody together. We'll get to it. So let's look at verse uh, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Devoted. They were consistent. This is where their heart was. They weren't on again, off again. They weren't every other Sunday, every third Sunday, once a month Sunday. They weren't sometime. This is all the time, every time. If you want to find out what you're devoted to, just follow your own self around for a week. That's crazy. Hold on. Follow your own self around. Yeah. If you want to see what you're devoted to, monitor what you pay attention to on a daily basis. And then you see. But some of you, you're devoted to yourself. You're devoted to being in the mirror. You're devoted to to being on your social media. You're devoted maybe to your school. And when you you start thinking about your Jesus time, your community time, your your church time, it is the minority place in your life instead of the majority place in your life. What are you devoted to? Has your time, has your attention, has your, your, your talent, has your direction, has your focus, has your everything. For me, I know that I can be devoted to the wrong thing very quickly during football season because I want to watch all the teams all the time. Sports Center stays on because I can't miss a stat. Even though it repeats, I listen to it on repeat. I don't know what that is, it's my devotion to it. What are you devoted to? And how come? The Word of God, which is what they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, doesn't take that level of a prominence in our life. How often do you read the Word? Is it a five-minute read? Is it a 10-minute read? Is it an hour-long read? The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing to the piercing, the of the soul and the spirit and the joint and the marrow and the discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. The word is a lamp unto your feet and a guidance of your path. Whereunto should a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word? The word of God is everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. Everything you need, every instruction you need. And there's a men and women assigned to actually get this word to you. In the early church, they were the apostles. They didn't understand the scriptures fully. Somebody was helping them apply those scriptures and you have to be in community to get that part. How can you hear without the preacher? How can he preach except he be sent? Will you stay with the apostles doctrine or the Bible says you can give your itching ears to the doctrine of devils? You know what the doctrine of devil is? How you feel. What you think. What do you want? Who would you like to be? It's your choice. Do what thou wilt. Well, that's from the the first commandment in the book of Satan. That's true. Do what you want. To fellowship. Where do you give your heart, your attention, your partnership? Where do you give yourself? Do you have uh, giving yourself to books? Some people say, I just love dead people. They just love reading. They're giving themselves to fellowship with something that's not alive. What do you give yourself to? I'm talking about when you give and you, you receive. You need to give something, and you need to receive something so you can be in fellowship, partnership. You can be yoked up together. You can share one another's burdens. When's the last time you've been in true fellowship where somebody knows you raw? Are you afraid to show someone your wounds, see someone else's wounds, to to let somebody know what you're really struggling with? Because there's something about confessing your faults one to another that you might be healed. The other thing that they said, they went to the breaking of bread. And if you've never been excited that the breaking of bread was in the Bible, I'm excited for you. God believes that eating is a spiritual exercise. He doesn't want us to be hungry. He wants us to eat. He don't just want you to eat vegetables in me. He wants you to eat cakes, pies, and candy bars, fruit roll-ups, popsicles. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, praise God. Food is in the Bible. I've been released right now. All the saints that cook in the house are receiving food in Jesus' name. The thing I like about food is, that you're going to need to eat at some point in every day. But it's not about eating alone. It's about eating with others. Sometimes when you eat with some other person, you, you, you have time. People say, I can't find time in my, my day. Yes, you can. You're going to eat. You can eat with somebody. This eating was far more comprehensive. This breaking of bread was coming to the Lord's table, the communion table, a place of remembering what the Lord has done for you. He's not just broken down what separates you uh, vertically, but what separates you horizontally from other people. It's to remind it that he is the power to keep you in fellowship with other people. And then finally, prayer. Prayer is the most marginalized thing in the Christian faith. Prayer is the thing that the son of the wall says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. God wants us to Pray. God calls us to pray individually in our homes with our families and to pray as individual persons and, and, and to pray as a corporate body of believers but we are called to pray. It's not that God doesn't know what he's going to do in advance but somehow in the miracle of how all this works, he says to petition him to pray without ceasing, to pray constantly so at 6 a.m. in the mornings that on, on Wednesdays we're here praying and if you need a breakthrough, if you need to commune and communicate with God and you don't know what's next in your life, you need to show up here at 6 a.m. prayer in the morning because the same power of the Russian mighty wind that started the Church of Acts is the same power in the Russian mighty wind that will be here in the prayer meeting bringing you a breakthrough. If you need a breakthrough, come to the prayer meeting and come on Wednesday night. So now verse 44, look at this, verse 44, and all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, to all and any who had need. That was verse 45. This is a pretty amazing church. He said, "All. All means all." And at this point, remember, you had the 122, the 120 that were in the upper room, which was a male and female, and, and the leaders. Then you had 3,000 added to the church. So now you got 3,120 3, in the church. And this 120 was made up of at least 15 different nations that were listed, that spoke 15 different languages. That God, from the very beginning, was about diversity and that there was no exclusivity on the gospel, that the people who were just already in weren't the people who were just in permanently and no one else could get in. From the day that the church was birthed, it was not just inclusive of the people inside the house. But the people who were from all over the place outside of the house had a chance to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel, and they had everything together. That means in their immaturity, in the fact that they still thought different, acted different, uh, dressed different, had different dialects, and they had to work out a lot of different nuances to figure out how to worship together and live together. They still had everything in common, they were walking in unity with one another. This world has failed to learn, to know how to walk in unity. Even though we're called the United States, we still have a problem uniting and in, in, in walking together. But we're doing a Unite prayer walk at 3 o'clock today that will display the body of Christ, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, walking together and being together. Oh, if that's not good enough, next Sunday we'll, we'll do a Bethel at the movies where we'll be talking about whether it should be mask or no mask. Whatever the world does to divide, when you come into the church, we show you how to unite. And I'm telling you, you're going to have people on every side of the issue, but it doesn't take away your responsibility to walk in fellowship with them. That's my reason to leave. That's your reason to fight for what's valuable, relationship. Unity. The Bible says when we're in unity, according to Psalm 133, it's there that he brings an anointing. When you're in unity, you can get a healing. You can get a breakthrough. You can get clarity. You can get freedom. You can get salvation. You can get whatever you need. The unity kind of supercharges the room where what was impossible starts to become impossible because of the unity. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It produces an anointing. Then it produces a refreshing. You can get refreshed and built up. Y'all, y'all feel when we was worshiping today? You felt like, ooh, I, I feel good and you want to, like, stay in that environment, there's no other environment on the planet that can give you that type of feeling, that type of jolt. A concert might make you have a little happy little buzz, but it can't give you a, this thrilling, joyful, uh, uh, movemental, just, oh, what's going on? I feel my, hallelujah. You know, even people who are stoic can be in that environment. Hallelujah. It makes you say it. Or commands a blessing, a blessing poured out. You don't have resources. Well, what were they doing? They were constantly selling and distributing. This wasn't, they were having a moment where they had a yard sale or a church rummage sale and they sold something and, and helped some people. No, they had a perpetual, consistent attitude where I'm concerned about your needs and I'm going to do my part to meet your needs, even if I got to sell something so we can have something in common to build a great church. You need, you need to embrace God's heart for every nation. To build a great church, you need to embrace God's heart for every nation. To build a great church, you need to have a heart of devotion. In this last part of the verse, let's go to verse 46, because I think it's going to help us see exactly in building a great church what you need in discipleship. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love the scripture in Matthew 16. This because God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. To build the church is God's responsibility. To do discipleship is our opportunity. Discipleship is simply helping others follow Jesus in the way they made disciples in the early church was every day. And they did it face-to-face and nose-to-nose. They were gathering meetings like this, and they were gathering meetings in their home, and they would gather one-on-one with the Word of God. They would gather in a little small group with the Word of God. They were gathering a big group with, the, with and around the Word of God. They would find out each other's needs, and this would produce an environment that made people on the outside say, I want to be inside, and I want to be baptized. And let me tell you what's extraordinary about that. Because for them to get baptized and to say that they were a believer back in those days meant they could lose their life. It was like the church was birthed through a persecution they just killed the, the leader Jesus Christ and anybody who served Jesus Christ was a candidate to be killed and you're going to tell me you're going to get baptized in the name, the name of the person that you called for his execution you were there saying yes crucify him but now you've had a change of heart see when you're in this type of unity when you're building a church based on this type of devotion, based on this embracing God's heart for diversity and this type of discipleship, oh people will give their lives for it, people will let their lives down. Are you doing that type of church? Is that the type of church you are? Are you the representation on TV that we don't want to see? Or are you the one saying, I can't wait till they give, us my, give me my chance? Don't you know that you're someone's living epistle? Don't you know that even when you think you're not being watched, there's someone watching you on your campus. There's someone watching you on your job. There's someone watching you. And you know what they're hoping? That that's the real deal. That's the Christian. Today, as a form of an altar call for this meeting, we thought about you. We thought, how do we help our church be that church in devotion, that church in diversity, that church in disciples. How do we help them? Well, we created life groups. And we think a life group, one person with another person in the Bible. Well, maybe you can't find that relationship. Then we have a bunch of life groups that you can walk past today in the mall way, a bunch of booths. You can find a community of believers that you, you can walk with in a, a small group capacity. But maybe you're rushing out to dinner. And you might miss that moment. So, we thought as a leadership team that it was so important that in, your seat, in front of your seat, there's a card, or you received it when you, you were handing this card. When I want you to pull it out and just, just, just hold it up at me. Don't, because so make sure you got, go ahead, just reach down and get the card. Because if you don't have one, and the usher's gonna say, yep, yeah, just pull that card out and grab yourself an ink pen. Maybe you don't have a one-on-one discipleship relationship. Maybe you don't have a group that you're in. But guess what? Everyone in here is a male or a female, a man or a woman. And so we're going to put you in a group. If you don't know where to go, if you don't know what to do, then you guess what? You can go to Well-Balanced Women on Monday night. You can go to Be Men. And guess what? You sound it right here. So all I'm asking, give us your name. Give us your email. Email. This is not legalistic. No one's going to call you and say, you signed up. You need to be there or pay your dues. Nobody's going to, you know, bother you like that. <laughs> but somebody's going to give you a general reminder that you're in this family, and if you don't know where your place is, we can help you find it. This is your next best step. Out there in the mall way is your next best step. Right here, you might be sitting next to a person that could be a friend for your rest of your life. That's your next best step. When you... Finish filling this out, on the way out, I want you to put it in the giving box. Stand to your feet. Will, you got that right key yet? I will trust, trust in the name. Trust, just keeps shrinking in my spirit because the early church had to trust each other. To be in church, you're going to have to trust another fallen human being. Somebody who can disappoint you. Somebody who can break your heart. Somebody who can let you down. God said you got to trust them. But then there's a terrific thing. It's beyond trusting them. It's trusting the Lord through them. You're going to have weaknesses. And you're going to make mistakes. But the church is still worth it. We'll get to be together for all eternity. Let's practice in this world now. I'm going to pray for you. And there's three things I want you to do when you leave here. One, I want you to make your own personal commitment to how you're going to represent the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as an individual believer. How you're going to be devoted, diverse, and a disciple maker, a disciple that makes disciples. Second, that you're not going to be here in isolation, be in a big group, but spend more time on your phone than with people. Whatever dividing you from people, you're making a commitment today. I'm not going to be divided. Nobody's telling you who to spend time with, but you got to spend time with somebody. Life groups out there. Thirdly, and to me this is the most exciting. The church that was early on did not hold the message of Jesus Christ hostage. It spilled out beyond their place of worship. You have an opportunity for the love of God to send you to spill out beyond this house and to bring somebody into the house. Next week, next Sunday, we're going to play a Bethel at the movies, Remember the Titans. It's going to be an opportunity for you to partner with this church to see somebody who's outside of the glory come inside of the house. Next Sunday's a big Sunday not to miss. Next Sunday's a big Sunday to get somebody who's lost. Because we're going to do what the early church did. See somebody who's not added to the body of Christ, added. Will you partner with your church next Sunday? Can I get you? If you're going to partner with us next Sunday, let's do our work. They might say, no, just raise your hands up. And even raise it in faith. Maybe you say, I don't know how to talk to people. Maybe just send a text. Send an email. Say, I think maybe you should come. You know, whatever you got to do. Lord, I pray for all these. Thank you today for their life. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their obedience. Would you bless them? Would you you help them do the work of the Lord? Help us continue to grow as a body of believers. We're going to continue to praise you and thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a round of applause.